Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Mind Your Marketing Podcast. Today's show is brought to you by Cave Social. I know you're probably tired of hearing it, but they're a marketing agency based out of Los Angeles that can help your company grow online. So if you're feeling stuck when it comes to your company's growth, don't know where to turn, head over to cavesocial.com, hit that contact us and book a free consultation. They will be able to help you out. All right, today on the show, I got uh, Joelle Kaufman. She is the CMO at WorkBoard. Uh, we get into a conversation, really just going through how to clearly outline objectives and the outcomes and making sure that teams are working in lockstep towards particular outcomes. Interesting conversation, especially if you're in a management role, if you're in enterprise and dealing with struggles when it comes to you know managing teams there, definitely tune in for this one. It was a very, very interesting conversation. So without further ado, let's get into this episode. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Mind Your Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Shelton. Today, I'm welcoming Joel Kaufman to the show. She is the CMO and General Manager at Workboard Community. Joel, welcome to the show. Jordan, it's great to be here. Now, walk me through you know, your journey kind of today and what brought you to Workboard. So my journey, I would say, is, you know, as they say, perfect in hindsight, but a complete accident in a uh, looking forward. I actually never had a job in marketing until I became a head of marketing at Reactivity in 2003, because the early part of my career, I would say I focused on collecting experiences. I was a product manager. I did business development. I did channel. I did sales management. I took on a cross-functional team to explore a new business for RSA security cryptographies, uh, the cryptography group. And in doing that, I learned about a series of companies that were doing some very interesting things. And I thought RSA should get into that business. And we built a whole plan and it was exciting. And ultimately, RSA made the choice not to. But one of those companies, my favorite, needed a head of marketing. And I certainly didn't fit their spec. But they indulged me with uh, further conversations where I laid out that I understood their market, I understood their buyers, I understood their technology as a product manager and a sales manager had been doing positioning and pricing all the time. And that the things I didn't know were lead gen, demand gen, and PR. And I felt that I could hire people who were good at demand gen, and I could learn also hire fabulous PR people, but I could learn what I needed to, uh, to be good at PR. And the, I should add, I was seven months pregnant in this conversation. And the CEO was truly a tremendous hiring manager because he and his team said, you're not what we were looking for, but you're what we need. And I joined them. It was a really interesting experience at Reactivity where I was the head of marketing was there three plus years and found that I really liked how marketing brought together all the various experiences I'd collected and allowed you to, if you understood it, be a driver of the business and use marketing as a lever to drive the business. And since reactivity, uh, I've led marketing at multiple other companies, Adify, Bloomreach, Dynamic Signal, now Workboard. And I've always done marketing B2B with a extreme focus on 
creating value and values created in two places. One, the op- obviously the revenues of the growth you get for the company. And the other is shareholder value. Can you improve the value of the entity, which sometimes is about analysts and about press and some different levers than pure revenues. So reactivity was bought by Cisco. Adify was bought by Cox. Bloomreach, Dynamic Signal, still growing. And then Workboard. And I will say uh, Workboard is the culmination of all of those experiences and my major at the University of Michigan. I have the, the dubious honor, I suppose, of being the first person ever to graduate from the University of Michigan Honors College in organizational studies. So I have been studying and experimenting on how enterprises can scale, how teams can work better together. What are the, the ways you can get the best out of people for 30 years? And Workboard has brought together technology and services and coaching that takes those kinds of lessons that I'm not the only one who have had it, obviously, because I didn't found Workboard, but really brings it to enterprises and makes it accessible, actionable, and impactful within a quarter. So for me, it was a very natural place to join, to bring to market, and then leading the Workboard community, where we have over 2,500 coaches and many CEOs and managers and directors who are using our platform and our OKR methodology to get better results. So that's how I got here. Okay, cool. A couple things. Well, one, I think just for the listener, right? Let's break into real quick, the 30 second pitch. Well, there's two things like what does Workboard do? And then two, I think we should just define OKRs for people who maybe are like, you know, they just turn this on in their car and they're like, what? They're a small business owner or they're marketing executive, but they're like, what is that? So I guess first, I know what they are, but I'll let you define OKRs from Workboard perspective. And then I guess work that into, you know, what Workboard really does as well. Sure. So I guess let me start with Workboard and then define OKRs because we're actually not an OKR company. We're a results company. In fact, we call ourselves an enterprise results platform. And what we do is help companies and the people in them achieve their best possible results. Now that is not possible with just technology. So we have a world-class SaaS platform used by Microsoft and Cisco and IBM and Juniper in order to align all of the people on a team and all of the teams to the best possible outcomes for the enterprise. Focus each person, each team in the organization on the results that will lead to those outcomes and then learn from every quarter cycle what we were able to accomplish well, where we kind of sandbagged and we could actually accomplish more and where we missed it and we need to figure out how to work better. And so when you take our platform, our advisory services and our OKR coach certification, What you get is organizational capacity to accelerate your results velocity. And that is what all stakeholders want. We want each and every one of us to be impactful and successful at our work. Our teams want to succeed in their mission and our companies want to grow and deliver value to all of their stakeholders. And so when you have a process through which you are scaling and managing strategy to execution, your ability to get better results quarter on quarter 
from more and more teams is unlocked. So that's what we do. We unlock that potential. OKRs are one of the methodologies that people use our platform for. We also have people that use uh, VMT or V2Mom, but these are all strategy to execution methodologies. What OKRs are fairly renowned for is they were created by Andy Grove at Intel, and he is a huge advocate. The Google team adopted OKRs after uh, their first year on a recommendation from John Doerr, who used them at Intel. And so you have renowned companies who used OKRs, which stands for Objectives and Key Results. Now, an important thing with OKRs and with Workboard, this is not an activity management model. This is not about, I did this many things. You may do many things, you may not. I don't know. What matters is what are the objectives we are aligned on that are the most important, best possible for our team or our enterprise? And second, what are the objective key results we can measure over the course of the quarter to determine if we are achieving that objective? Now, in Workboard, you lay out the objectives by every team, you connect them, you connect the key results for that objective. And as you build a results habit, multiple things in our platform enable you to see what is your progress towards those objectives, which objectives have the highest risk of not being attained. So you can figure out where as a leader you can help. So I hope that explained the two. Yeah, totally. And I think at this, something just the way I think about them, right, has always been, and from a management style, and it's shifting our idea from input-based results, aka this person worked this many hours, right? We're tracking the inputs. They did this many things. So just really looking at, hey, what was the output and how did that affect the business? So output-based results and why I think that's even more important today than previously is with obviously the advent of work-from-home culture. I mean, work-from-home culture started it's been around for since probably the internet, but really over the last six months, right, everyone being thrust into a work from home situation, I think the importance of getting aligned on objectives and tracking those, seeing what actually impacted the business and did we hit those results is, you know, more important than ever in today's climate, just for that transparency and to make sure that people are stepping in the right direction and working towards the the right things. Have you seen anything with coronavirus and organizations moving to work from home? Have you seen a more of a demand for the product? I know you're just getting your feet wet at Workboard, but I mean, you were probably thrown into the fire a little bit, but have you seen that? So we have. I want to talk about that and I want to go back to your input to output. But let's talk about the COVID impact. First off, you know, not only did everyone suddenly become a remote employee or a great deal of knowledge workers became remote employees, but digital transformation itself accelerated from five years to two months. And that put a lot of stress on teams because suddenly I'm teaming cross-functionally in order to do this very rapid digital transformation so that I can keep our customers engaged and satisfied. And that really created a lot of pressure and stress because there is no conventional structure. There's no hierarchy for cross-functional teams. There's no management model for cross-functional teams. When you adopt OKRs and you use Workboard to scale it, you can actually get the OK, the, the cross-functional teams aligned, focused, and transparent. I love that you used that word because how often do large organizations have a situation where multiple teams are working on the same thing and didn't know about it? Or worse, multiple teams are working and they're actually working in cross-purposes, right? 
So this act of alignment brought by transparency and a very deliberate effort, we work with our customers to develop what we call the quarterly OKR cycle or the results cycle. And it starts with two weeks of alignment. And people say, oh, we don't have the time. Well, you certainly don't have the time not to be aligned. And that's what happens if you don't spend time on alignment. So what we saw was the digital transformation, the acceleration of agile organizations, the need to adapt faster, and the complete obliteration of your ability to manage by walking around. Well, you can walk around your house. You, you can't touch base and see what people are working on unless you do a Zoom or Microsoft Teams and it's a little more formal. So with Workboard, you literally are one click from what are the objectives for this team and how are they doing towards them? And do they need my help or not? And wow, the objectives for that team and the objectives for that team, they really look similar. We should make sure they connect because maybe we can get double the outcome if we've got all those people working on it. Does that make sense, Jordan? Yeah, no, no, totally. It's bringing that trans, like using that transparency as fuel, right? Yes. And I think that is something, you know, to your point where we really were thrusted forward in the digital economy. What was going to take five years is now took two months and things would have fallen to the wayside for some organizations, right? Just trying to get infrastructure set up, I know was a, a giant hassle for companies. They didn't even think about things like alignment on objectives. They were just figuring out how are they going to get, you know, data to offsite employees. <laughs> and, and so, then, then you have to stop and say, okay, wait a minute. What data do they need? What are the security implication, implications of that? And what outcome are we trying to achieve by making that data available? And you had to do all of that very fast. Yep, 100%. (laughs) I do want to go back a moment to the change from input to output, because we actually think it's beyond output and it's to outcome. Outputs are, I did a sales training, I held these webinars, I shipped this release. Those are all outputs. And that's much better than I worked this many hours, which is an input. But an outcome is my release delighted my customers and they're using us more. My sales team is winning competitively versus, uh, you know, in X percent more because we did a sales training. So it's really getting to the essence of why. Why does it matter that we're doing this work? And in a COVID remote, distributed, disrupted world, we all want to know why. And we want to be reminded of why. Why are we doing this? Why is it important? Why should I make time between getting my kids started at school and feeding somebody and making sure that everyone's got the appropriate masks? Why is this important? You know, that's missing from a lot of organizations just in general and management teams to look at when they give you know work to their staff for them to do. They say, hey, we need you to do this. And then not actually explaining why you know, those tasks are maybe important. And then it can lead to those frustrations too on the back end, where if you're that staff member and you're doing something that seems like it's, you know, useless minutia, but because you can't see how it fits into the entire picture because that hasn't been communicated, it really can start to be a detriment, you know, to an organization. So I think you, you nail on the head, right? It's that outcomes really are that next evolution of thinking and then making sure that people are aligned and understand, you know, how their work is impacting the overall picture because it's going to dig deeper into why they're doing it. Right. So I think what we have is a forced management change. You can no longer direct the activity of people. You have to trust them 
to choose what activities to do to deliver the results. And those results have to tie to the outcome. So it's a, a real change in management away from almost an industrial, you are quasi-robotic, do these things, right? That's not how people ever actually did their best work because you actually only get the mind of the person assigning the work and the people doing the work are just taking orders. That's not effective management, in my opinion. What I did years ago is I crystallized the management model that I lead by. And I actually tell people when they interview with me that this is how I do it. And if it's not something you're comfortable with, we shouldn't be on the same team. So it's very simple. Extreme clarity of goal. What is the best possible? What does it look like? Extreme clarity of role. I happen to have kids that are athletes. And so one of my favorite analogies is a team of all shortstops will not win games. You must have outfielders and catchers and pitchers and first basemen. Even though shortstops are really exciting, they cannot win every game. They can't I love that. And uh, just to jump in, I, I played college sports and the coaches that came from national championship teams, they said it was always do your job and let your teammate do their job. Don't try to step in and, and do both because you're not going to be covering your own responsibilities and doing 100% operating at maximum capacity in your own position and we're going to end up losing and those mistakes are going to compound. I love that parallel, right? Of like, not everybody's the short, we can't have nine shortstops. It's really useful. Right. And my job as the coach manager is to make sure I've got the right people in the right positions on the field. So extreme clarity of role, extreme clarity of goal, and then complete autonomy and execution. As long as it's legal, considerate, because being obnoxious to your teammates does not work, legal and considerate, you can execute to get to the goal any way you want. I don't care. And then underneath that, though, is transparency. We will all know what it is you chose to do to get to those goals and accountability. The goal you signed up for, the role you signed up for, you will be accountable to have played well do your job well, right? And so when you think about that as a management model and you think about workboard, we have clarity of goal, we have clarity of role, and truly the choices of how you deliver those key results to get to those outcomes can be at the discretion of every mind that has given you the honor of working for your enterprise. This is why I swear, listeners, this will be my last tie back to sports because I do that quite often. <laughs> but <laughs> this is why I love sports as and sports management as a comparison through to business. LeBron James and the LA Lakers, their goal is to beat the team they're playing. It doesn't matter how LeBron James, is he going to score all two points? Is he going to take all three pointers? Or is he going to pass the ball and facilitate? Or it's like, it's one of these things where they're, there's so many ways, you know, to get to the goal. Okay. And then it's documented. How did they do it? What was the most, what was actually effective? Can the, what improvements can happen next quarter? So I think that there's just so many things that can be drawn from sports that are like aha moments for small business owners or, or those that are in management positions to go, Oh, okay. I could start thinking like that with my team a little bit more. Absolutely. I mean, I used to, when my kids were young and they're doing, you know, multiple sports and I'm running around. I have three kids like a lunatic to all these different things. And I had friends who said, you're nuts. Sports don't matter. And I looked at them. I said, how many people do you hire? And, you know, usually they'd kind of perk up and say, what do you mean? I said, because I've interviewed about 5,000 and hired about 500. And yeah, it matters a lot. It's about knowing how to be on a team and knowing how to lose and how to win 
and practicing and understanding what your role is on the team. And that sometimes you're not going to be the top scorer, but that's okay. You might be a great defender and that's okay. We need you. So I, I think it's very important. It doesn't have to always be sports. It could be theater. It could, it, there's lots of ways to learn those lessons, but I look for people who have learned those lessons before they come to work. But I will tell you, it's not just a small business thing. Some of our customers are some of the largest businesses in the world, right? You're talking about Microsoft, you're talking about IBM. And their challenge is they have people distributed all over. They have multiple lines of business and they do need everyone aligned. And so we've worked, we believe in something called global local, which is you work on that alignment at a global level and share it, but you empower all the local teams to create their own objectives and key results. And un- they make the connections to the global ones because they understand their local situation, their competitors, their objective, what they're working toward. And that's how you get the best of both worlds. It's not top down. It's not bottom up. It's global local. We believe that teams and networks of teams are the engine of value creation and that there really isn't a standard way to manage teams before OKRs. And then finally, and we're seeing this with that digital transformation you and I were talking about a few minutes ago, lateral alignment, these cross-functional teams, you get that right. It's a superpower. When you talked about these massive organizations that really have to give autonomy to their local teams, uh, I just wanted to mention there's actually a great chapter of a book from uh, Smarter, Faster, Better by Charles Duhigg, where he talks about how Toyota actually promotes these entrepreneurs within their company to kind of disrupt themselves and gives them the autonomy and will have these groups you know, in local markets and really facilitates them and gives them autonomy to come through. And it's caused some of the major uh, disruptions in the automotive industry have come from their own internal group. So if any listener wants to check that out, um, I highly recommend that book as well. Yeah, no, Charles, Charles Duhigg is awesome. He actually was the speaker when we launched uh, Bloomreach. He's, he's brilliant. He's just wonderful. And another company a little bit similar is 3M, right? 3M has experimental time and a lot of their innovations have come from people just taking ownership of an idea and exploring where it leads them and then connecting that to what the company is trying to do in its market for its customers. So I think it's really important. And, you know, lateral alignment is also, if you're an ambitious, not yet an executive person, lateral alignment is a career accelerator because these lateral teams, these opportunities to take on projects come up. And if you're someone who's effective at leading a cross-functional team, at making sure there's clarity of the objective, there's measurable key results, and people are succeeding and enjoying the process, whether or not you actually succeed with that first cross-functional team, you become known as somebody who can be counted on to do this and you will get more opportunities. And that is actually the way you rise up in an organization. Yeah, it's so true. There's, and that's a piece of advice there that I'll probably cut out of this podcast to put in a little, a little snippet for people to take in that, hey, if you want to excel, right, you want to, that, that lateral understanding where you are in the grand picture of things is just going to be so important to your career path. Um, I think that's such useful advice. So I will take that out and put that as a little snippet probably on social media. Um, that's great. But, Joel, um, before I let you go, well, one, thanks thanks so much for coming on. I really enjoyed this conversation, but let people know where they could find out more about Workboard and connect with you online. Sure. So 
for WorkBoard, it's www.workboard, that's W-O-R-K-B-O-A-R-D.com. Got lots of great resources. Uh, if you're thinking about how to improve your um, outcomes and get the best possible outcomes, we've got tons of stories and tools right there. If you want to follow up with me, probably the easiest thing is Twitter. It's at the CRO Joe. That's how you can find me on Twitter or Joelle at workboard.com if you prefer email. Awesome. Thank you so much again for uh, coming on the show. I appreciate it, Joe. It was really fun. Thanks, Jordan. All right, everybody, that's it for this episode. As always, please hit like, share, subscribe. If you're feeling really friendly, maybe leave us a review. And until next time, I'll catch y'all later. Oh.